tuned in to the Lone Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, along with Top Shit Giver, John Coleman. Mr. Top Shit Giver. Let's talk about investment properties today. You want to talk about investment properties? Yes. Yes. See. I would love to. You would love to. What do you know about investment properties? Um, if you watch HDTV all day, you would learn that uh, they can make you a lot of money or be a pain in the ass and make you go broke. Okay. So if you watch HGTV, you're talking about flipping houses. Correct. All right. Um, I don't know if we're ready to get into home flipping a la HGTV. Also, if I watched uh, cable TV, I would think that catching 800-pound tuna happened within 45 minutes. And that crab fishing in the Bering Sea looks fun. Correct. Okay, I'm pretty sure none of the above is true. Correct. Now, what I can tell you is, is there money to be made in buying, rehabbing, and selling homes? Yes. Yes, there is. There's also a lot of time, a lot of risk that goes into that. And right now in today's market, it's very, very difficult because there's not a whole lot of inventory. But when I talk about buying an investment property, typically most of the inquiries that we receive are, I want to buy an investment property for rental purposes. And that's probably because I work for a residential mortgage company. So residential mortgage companies don't lend short-term money. So contrary to anyone's belief out there, when you're obtaining a home loan, no one really wants you to pay this thing off quickly. We actually want you to pay it on time and maybe get a new one every five to seven years, right? But we don't want you to pay us off quickly, which is probably why a lot of what we do doesn't correlate with home flippers or rehabbers because if you are looking to rehab a home, you're getting short-term money. Most short-term money is what we call hard money in, in the industry. And the reason why it's hard money as well as because most of these homes are in disrepair. You bought something at the courthouse steps, you bought something because it was advertised a handyman special, it didn't have any flooring, it was missing a bathroom, the roof had a tarp on it, that's why you're able to buy it at such a discount. Well, traditional banks and lenders, companies like Waterstone Mortgage, we don't have products for that. We require your property to be in livable condition with no safety issues. So if you're looking to ever purchase a home, and I'm, gonna, I'm going down this rabbit hole solely because it's what you led with, right? If you're looking to purchase a home for rehab and flipping purposes, you're gonna to need to get a hard money loan. A hard money loan typically is gonna charge you two to 3% of the loan amount up front. Now it's not money out of your pocket, but it's, it's points that get rolled into what you owe. So if you're borrowing 100 grand, you all of a sudden you owe 103,000 and your interest rate is somewhere around um, 10 to 12%, and they're gonna require you to put down at a minimum about 25%, maybe even 35%. Now, if you're truly in the business of buying homes, rehabbing them and selling them for a profit, you work all of those finance charges into your profitability matrix. But I'm probably getting to like a, a varsity level when we're just trying to talk like JV or even intramural sports. Gotcha. All right. So let's talk about buying an investment property typically for, for rental purposes. 
And this is this is going to be a, a case where you and your wife are looking back. You're like, well, you know, we 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 own our home, and uh, we we value home ownership, and we value real estate as an investment. We don't really have a whole lot of consumer debt. We're good with our credit cards. We have our six months reserve, and we are contributing money to our 401k and our IRAs, our retirement vehicles, so to speak. Okay, and if you listen to any of our previous podcasts, you'll know that's a big thing, right? We had a financial advisor on by the name of Robert Farragher, and Rob talked about the, the need to have no consumer debt, six months reserves. In fact, Rob was, I think, trying to preach 12 months reserves. I tried to like dial Rob back a little bit. I'm like, well, how about we do three months, do a shot of Jaeger, six months, we go on a, maybe we can get away and we'll celebrate each milestone. Buying an investment property falls into these these same types of concepts where it's it's not for the faint of heart and it's not for everybody. But it definitely is um, a strategy someone could use to further gain wealth. So how do you do it? So first and foremost, let's talk about what is an investment property. So an investment property is one in which you plan on occupying never. You're buying this for, for income purposes only. Because if you bought a home at the beach and you are going to plan on utilizing that home, let's say the week of July 4th, the week of Labor Day, and some other random time around Thanksgiving, you could purchase that home as a secondary residence or a vacation home. You're still allowed to rent it, but technically because it's a personal use and you're using it for at least two weeks out of the year, it's a second home. So whenever we in the industry speak of an investment property, it's something that you have no desire. It may be the home two streets over from you and you want to buy, which by the way, that's advisable, right? Isn't it easier to keep tabs on your money when your money's just two streets over? It's not a must do, but it's definitely advisable. So if you're looking to buy your first investment property, my first suggestion to anybody is make sure you have the rest of your shit together, right? And by that, I mean, do you have a reserve account? Do you have limited to no consumer debt? Are you already putting money towards your retirement savings? Because there's tax benefits. Again, I'm not a CPA, but there are, I do know there are tax benefits to investing in 401ks and, and IRAs. Now, if you want to purchase an investment property versus opening up a, an ETF Vanguard account or some kind of mutual fund account, that's what we're gonna talk about now. What's gonna be required of you? First and foremost, and I'm assuming you're, you're financing it, um, if you're gonna pay cash, cool, you're gonna pay cash. And I can talk you through that, but it's way easier if you're gonna pay cash or something. But if you consult with your financial advisor, your financial advisor is probably gonna talk you out of paying cash. Why? Well, one, because interest rates are dirt cheap right now. Like even, even pre-coronavirus and rates dropping down into the threes and maybe even the twos, rates were still in the four to 5% range for investment properties. And if you hear I said four to 5% range, something you should know when you're financing an investment property, the interest rates are anywhere between a half a percent to a 4% higher on an investment property. And the reason for that is everything's based on risk, right? No different than it's more risky if I drive a Corvette versus a Honda it's more risky for me to, I'm talking about auto insurance now, it's more risky if I have a DUI versus I don't have a DUI. When, when lenders are assessing risk on property types, an investment property is the most risky property type because if and when life throws you a curveball and the shit hits the fan and you own two homes and you can only pay for one, which home 
are you going to pay for? Uh, the one I'm currently living in? The one you live in, which means which home is not being paid for. The rental investment property. The rental investment property. There you go. Ding, ding, ding. So that is why interest rates tend to be half a percent to 1% higher on an investment property. The reason why your financial advisor would possibly talk you out of paying cash is because he or she wants your money working for you. So he's going to teach you or she's going to teach you how to leverage your, your assets. Maybe you put down 20 to 30% on the investment property for, for qualification purposes. And so you have some skin in the game and you have some equity and maybe you have your payment where you feel like the property can cash flow, but then leave the other money instead of paying cash with your financial advisor so he or she can have it invested in the market. That way you're A, liquid, and B, leveraged, and leverage is a good thing. So right now we're talking about purchasing an investment property for rental purposes, and you're gonna finance that investment property. You're gonna to need to anticipate 20 to 25% down, period. That's a big hangup for a lot of people. And if you don't have the 20 to 25% to put down, sometimes that's life telling you you're not ready. Sometimes that's not the case and we need to explore other avenues because maybe you've been diligent, maybe overly diligent, saving for retirement, saving for IRA. Maybe you've been crazy diligent on paying off your current home super quick. Maybe instead of making your required payment, you make three times that every single month. And now someone's taught you something about personal financing and realize, oh, wait a minute, I shouldn't be paying triple on my mortgage. I should allow my money to work for me. I should be leveraged. At which point, if you called a loan originator like myself back in my heyday or any one of the loan officers I have working for me here at Waterstone Mortgage, we would talk to you about how you can leverage your equity in your current property to use as down payment on your new property but kind of got, got into a rabbit hole right there. Let's circle back to the beginning. You decided you wanted to buy an investment property. Everything else checks off. You're ready. Just know it's 20 to 25% down. There will be companies that advertise 15% down. If you want to explore that, go for you, or go for you, good for you, and go for it. But take my word, when you look at the math and numbers don't lie, you're going to realize that all of the extra cost that is required to put 15% down, you might as well just take those costs, apply it towards down payment, put 20% down. So I'm going to tell you, I'm going to teach you, at a minimum, put 20% down. You'll get an interest rate break if you put 25% down. You'll get an even better break if you put 30% down. All based on risk. The more money you put down, the less risk of your loan. Therefore, the more advantageous your interest rate. Mm. But this is a two issues of the road. I may, as a real estate investor, not mind that my interest rate was one-eighth of a percent higher, which is like 14 or 15 bucks a month, because I realize that that 14 or 15 bucks a month, I'm just going to pass through the rent I charge. So maybe instead of charging $13.50 to rent that house, I'm going to charge $13.75, because I chose to put 20% down versus 25% down. I took a slightly higher interest rate. But I did so because I needed or wanted to keep that extra 5% that could have gone towards down payment for something else. It could have been new floors and new paint for the rental property I just bought. It could be money to keep to, with Caleb, my financial advisor, because he's doing more with it in the market. Or it could be I realized, holy shucks, I just 
bought an investment property, I should maybe have more than six months reserves. Mm-hmm. Maybe I have six months reserves in my personal, and I'm going to take this money and I have six months of payments set aside for my investment property. Right. So that's what it takes just to get started. Now, what are some things that someone should be looking at when they're buying an investment property? Well, are you going to manage yourself or are you going to hire someone to manage it like a leasing company? Personally, delegate it. That money that I'm going to spend for a management company to me is well worth it, right? This is me paying someone to do what they do great so I don't have to half-ass it, figure it out. Mm. And if that little bit is going to be a couple grand that the leasing company takes from me is prohibiting me from feeling good about my investment, personally, I'd rather just go work in a couple extra hours in the mortgage industry doing what I do well, and I can make that money back up. So my advice is always going to be use a leasing company, a property management company to help you manage your property. They're typically going to charge you somewhere around 75% of the first month's rent. That's that's what it costs to to, uh, find a renter. So if you had a renter paying you $1,000 a month, well, the first month's rent check, you're not seeing 1,000 because the rental company is going to take their commission, which is 750 bucks or 75% of of a grand. They're also going to charge you somewhere around 10% monthly to manage your property. So again, if you're if you're charging your renter a thousand dollars a month, you don't see a thousand, you see nine hundred. So that's an extra twelve hundred bucks plus the seven fifty. So that rental property that I thought I was gonna rent for twelve thousand dollars a year, it's actually twelve thousand less the seven fifty, less the twelve hundred dollars in monthly a, a total monthly fees. But that's two grand. That two grand is money well spent. This rental company also, the, the property management company is, is the technical term. They'll also do things like this for you. They'll say, hey, John. What's up? Hey, um, do you want me to call you every time the tenant has like a leaky faucet or maybe the hot water heater is not getting hot enough? Or I want you and I come to an agreement that I don't have to call you as long as the cost is under $250. Just make sure the roof doesn't catch on fire and we have a deal. Yeah, right. So a, a, a leasing company is going to do that for you. Like the reason why you're, you're going to use a property management company is A, they, they, they handle all the accounting in terms of uh, picking up rent checks. They take those phone calls Saturday at 8 p.m. And then and then they won't even bother you. You can set up an agreement where based on whatever dollar amount you're comfortable with, it just gets fixed. You'll get an email notification, hey, by the way, your rent check's gonna be light by 180 bucks. I had to send someone out to fix the ice maker. All right, cool, uh, that's fantastic. Plus, property management companies, they, they have a network of professionals, such as landscapers and handymen and pressure washing people that can help keep your home maintained. So I'm just a big proponent. Spend the money, hire an expert, use a property manager. Now, when you're looking at owning a, a an investment property or a rental property, why are you doing it, right? And if I asked you, because I, I know you don't own a rental property, but it may be something that, that you and your wife want to explore in, in a few years. Do you know the real reason why you'd want to own an investment property? I mean, ignorantly, it's just to have like side income coming in on a consistent basis. Yeah, 
that's most people. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have rental property and live off the rental income. No, you're not. Like, like real estate in general is for wealth building. Even even when we, we talk about buying your primary home, we talk about owning a home. Homeowners are seventy five percent or seventy five times more wealthy than non homeowners. You're going to buy a home as a rental property, and I'm going to use two hundred thousand as a uh, as a sales price here. And I'm going to try to do some quick math in my head, which, if you remember from some previous episodes, sometimes my quick math is spot on, sometimes it's all over the place. We'll fix it in post. We'll, we'll try to fix it in post. Um, all right, so. You're going to buy a rental property for $200,000. You've elected to put 25% down, not 20% down. So we know you're putting $50,000 down. That's 50 grand cash that John no longer has. Okay. That, that mortgage, when I include taxes and insurance, that mortgage is going to run you somewhere around $900 a month. And that home that you bought for 200 dollars it's going to rent for somewhere in the ballpark of like 13 to 15, maybe 1600. I mean, rents are definitely skyrocketing. And this is why someone would want to get into buying rental properties because rents keep going up and they're projected to keep going up in most markets. And if you were to buy a, a property today, you get to lock in today's price, today's interest rate, therefore today's payment. But you can continuously increase rents as the market dictates. But at $900 a month is is what you're paying. Let's say you're you're getting $1,500 a month, but it's not $1,500. It's actually $1,500 less $150 because $150 is a property management company's fee. So now you're at $1,350. Of that $1,350, we know you pay nine, so that's leaving you with $450 a month. That may be a reason that you're like, oh wow, that's fantastic, right? It's $450 a month that, that I'm getting times that by 12 and you're sitting somewhere around $5,400 to $5,600 net additional income per year. But if you listen to the podcast that we did on uh, how to buy a house, I believe we taught the audience that homes suck. Yeah, sounds like it. The money right out of your bank account. No, and I referenced a Freddie Mac study where home ownership, whether it's your primary or a rental property, Home ownership is going to cost you one to three percent of your home's value and annual maintenance. That's the roof leaking. That's the hot water heater going. That's the ice maker going. That's landscape, uh, right? Because if you have rental property, are you going to make or ask your tenant to do the lawn, or are you going to pay a hundred bucks a month for someone else to do, to, to, to do the lawn? Same thing with that home has a pool. So what you'll find is that that $5,400 to $5,600 that you thought you made, at least three of it went back into the house. So really, we've got you down to about $2,500. And some years, maybe only 1000 went back in. Some years, it could have been $8,000. So on, on average, your $200,000 rental property that you thought you were cash flowing about $5,500 a year net, that number is much closer to $2,000. Hmm. So you're not buying this rental property because you're going to be able to quit your job and live off of the net rental income. But here's what your rental property did do. You bought it for 200 and statistically, over the past three, four, five decades, homes appreciate at roughly 3% per year. So that home has gone up in value from 200000 
to 206,000. So you made $6,000. Paper money, right? You don't realize that money until you sell your house, but it's six grand. And your tenant helped pay down your mortgage. Right? Every time, every time you make a mortgage payment, we said it was gonna be $900. Of that 900, some was real estate taxes, some was property insurance, some was interest. But I bet at least 150 to 200 was principal. So now your home has gone up in value by six grand and someone else has paid at least $2,000 to pay down your loan. Well, now you start adding up those numbers and you're like, okay, well I made six grand in equity and someone paid down my loan by two grand, that's $8,000. And do you remember how much I said you put down in down payment? 25%. 25% of 200, which was $50,000. Mm -hmm. So think of it this way. Your $50,000 investment just made you eight grand. Hmm. Right? So your $50,000, that's like a 12.5%. Again, that's quick math. I don't have the calculator in front of me, ladies and gentlemen. But it's 12.5% on your money. And that's totally discounting that 450 bucks that came in of net rental income. And then it was offset by some of the, some of the costs, right? We just said, what if your payment versus cost versus what you collected in rent washed out? What did you get? Well, you earned 12 and a half percent on your money and you have a tangible asset, something you can touch and you can sell. So then food for thought. Remember earlier, we were talking about why you wouldn't want to pay cash. Mm -hmm. You'd want, you'd want to make a payment. Mm -hmm. you'd, you'd want to finance. You'd want to leverage yourself. Well, let's say you were wanting to pay cash and it was 200 grand. Well, I can show you how you take that same 200 grand and buy four properties, 50,000, 50,000, 50,000, right? Each mm -hmm. $50,000 down, down payment. Now you own four properties. Now, those nickels and dimes that you were picking up in monthly net, mm. multiply that by four. Okay, that may allow you to go buy that boat you want. That may allow you to take that money and use it to pay down your primary mortgage quicker. But you now have four properties worth 800 grand, two times four, right, 800, appreciating at 3% per year with tenants in place paying down your mortgage. So you would utilize buying a rental property as a means of building wealth so that eventually 13, 15, eight years down the, 18 years down the road, your mortgages are paid off by someone other than you. That portfolio that originally was 800,000, because remember I, I showed you how to buy four of them, putting $50,000 $50, down on each, is now a $2 million portfolio that you own outright. So now you could liquidate or sell and be like, I'm done. I'm retired. I'm taking that, 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 that $2 million worth of real estate. I'm cashing it in and I'm moving to Belize. Or you'd be like, oh, that's pretty nice. I own $2 million worth of real estate. That home that used to rent 18 years ago or 13 years ago for 1500 is now renting for 2500 And you're now collecting 10 grand a month in rental income and you still own those four pieces of property that are worth $2 million. Sounds like you know what you're talking about. A little bit. A little bit. Now, I could be totally full of shit, but that's why I want people to fact check me. That's where I want people to shoot me an email. 
Owen at waterstonemortgage.com. Pick up the phone and call me at the office, 407-645-6363. Because I don't think I'm full of shit, but I sure as heck don't know it all. But what I am doing is, is expressing my experiences of 15 plus years financing rental properties for our clients. And I'd be more than happy to discuss how and when it makes sense, as well as how and when it doesn't make sense. And in future episodes, I have a couple buddies of mine that work for Homevestors. Homevestors is, um, you've probably seen their, their billboards, webuyuglyhouses.com. Yeah, absolutely. Now, their business, oh, their business is flipping homes. What you originally wanted to talk about, HGTV, no, that's what these guys do. And I mean, these guys assign contracts, they wholesale, they wholetail, they... Um, these are all terms that when we get together for beers, like they start just rattling off and I'm like raising my hand I'm like, what do you mean by wholetail? What do you mean by wholesale? What do you mean by there's a there's a rehab to hold versus rehab to flip? But like these guys right now have a home that they bought that they're like fixing the foundation, they're ripping out trees, they I mean they do it. But it's major risk. Right? It's it's major risk that what if they underestimated, they think it'll cost $50,000 to rehab? Well, I can tell you this, this one property that, that they're working on, because they, we were out for beers and they were like, ah, like yanking about it. Um, I guess homes aren't supposed to have aluminum wiring in anymore. Mm. Now, my father's an electrician. He's like, dude, aluminum wiring, totally fine, totally safe. But insurance companies don't think so. So insurance companies say, oh, John, you own a home with aluminum wiring. The long story short is it's a $9,000 fix that they didn't factor in. So when I didn't want to discuss too much of, of the HGTV buy rehab, because look, that's not for the faint of heart. That is, most people are looking to build wealth. Most people want to end up with a small portfolio of rental properties that are paid off, that are spitting them out monthly, annuity type income that's why we stayed where we were but if you think you personally as an audience member but even our audience if you guys want to uh, you know hit us up on facebook hit us up on instagram the loan officer podcast uh if you want to call me email me if you have questions regarding flipping homes i know just enough to get me in trouble but i have remember i'm a loan officer at heart so i got a guy I got a guy or two that can totally walk you through how you can make a lot of money, also lose a lot of money flipping homes. But that's all I have for today on the Loan Officer Podcast with Dustin Owen. I'm Dustin Owen. He's JC. And you can find us at DustinOwen.com, 407-645-6363, D-O-N.com, the Loan Officer Podcast on IG, the Loan Officer Podcast on Facebook. And this dude, just Google him, or you can find him here on the next episode. Did I just steal your thunder? Deuces! Peace.